Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to look out and see you. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we continue our series, Christmas at North Star. Thanks for getting out on such a nasty. Can we, we're North Star Accra, Tennessee, not North Star Seattle. All right, this needs to go. Can, if you are still praying for rain, would you stop? All right, and so I don't know who's responsible for all the prayers and all the rain can I get an amen? It just needs to leave. It needs to leave. I went and washed my car knowing it was going to rain just so I could remember what a clean car looked like. So like for, for like eight hours, my car was clean. So we need that. We need it. We need the rain to go away. So we are, we are so excited about this season here at North Star. It is just a fun time. There's stuff you're going to hear about all throughout the service going on. You may have noticed on your drive-in all the dirt piling up right over here to my left, to your right, between Compass and True North, we are putting in an outdoor baptismal. And so it's going to be really awesome. It's going to go into the hillside there. I think it's going to be really cool. We are wanting to provide the water for it. We don't want water from the sky for it. But anyway, so hopefully over the next couple of months, this is going to happen. And our prayer is that every Sunday when you leave the services, you'll walk out and you'll see somebody being baptized every Sunday after every service. We have good friends in Columbus that, that have one. They have baptized a person a day for the last seven years. A person a day they have seen. So we're really, really excited about it. I know there's been a few of you that have heard about it. I've mentioned it one other time, and we funded over half of it just from mentioning it once. For those of you that want to give over and above to it, you can go to northstarchurch.org. Um, you can do right on the check baptism in the four column or in the app. You can go, there's a little uh, extra button there for baptism, but it's going to be really, really cool. Finally, all right. This is a time of year that's really crazy. How many of you, your schedule is packed? Raise your hand. Like, do something every night. There's school stuff, there's work stuff, there's family stuff. There is something every night going on. And it's crazy because in the middle of all of it, people can do all this and miss who Jesus is. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So we've given some tools for that. You may have seen the yard signs. I did not know if we gave out of them. Nobody told me, but at the um, we've got yard signs that can go out in your yard if they're still available. We've got little note cards that have all the service times. You can write a note on the back. I know a couple years ago when we did the online only Christmas Eve, we made these for like 50 friends and we and cut a little hole in them and attached them to like hot chocolate and cookies and you know, she did the and stuff to it. And so she put all that together and we dropped it off at their houses and invited them to be our guest on Christmas Eve. Here's what you don't know. You don't know that you might be the only person that points them to Jesus. You just happen to be their neighbor. You happen to be their friend. You happen to be in the locker room with them. You happen to be in the dorm room with them. You happen to be at work with them or at a, at a school Christmas party with them. And it, I'm not saying invite everybody, but if you got one or two, and here's the deal. 
Well, Mike, y'all are just trying to get the crowd up at North Star. Look around. We don't need the crowd up at North Star. This is about people helping people find their way home. And it's about Christmas being an opportunity to help them find Jesus. So we've got these little cards. We also have these little sleeve cards that have the, all the information inside of them. They're, in the kiosk, they're at the kiosk on the way out, and you can catch them there. But take them with you and invite somebody. How cool would it be? for somebody that knows you to meet Jesus this year because you invited them, because you cared enough about them to say, would you be my guest? Would you come with me? I'll save you a seat. We'll, we've got six services over two days. We'll add more if we have to. But our thing is we want you to have a place to bring your friends to meet Jesus. The, the nutty part is we miss Jesus for a lot of reasons, and we're gonna talk about those reasons today but there was a night a couple years ago at a Christmas production, Jesus went missing for another reason. I want you to check this out, would you? All is well. And now a little girl who's supposed to play a sheep is very restless. She is taking Jesus. <laughs> Mary is in full character. She is gonna take Jesus back from the sheep and put him back properly in the manger. Nope, nope, she's taking him again. Now this is the best scene. You got Mary coming. Look at, look at little man Joseph coming. He has no idea what to do. He's just watching. He's just watching this debacle take place. <laughs> That's right. That's not the missing Jesus that we're talking about today, all right? You know, it's funny. You think about the story Janine just read to us. The religious leaders, so the Magi show up, and the religious leaders of the day are asked by Herod, so where is this king to be born? And they told him, he's going to be born in a little town called, what's the name of the town? Bethlehem. Now, what's interesting about it is they didn't go. You ever thought about that? The religious leaders knew where to find him but yet they missed him. The religious leaders knew exactly where to point Herod to tell the Magi, and we talked about all this last week. They knew exactly where to tell them to go, but yet they missed him. They knew everything here, but they missed it here. And what's so crazy is we live in a world that we have access to it all but we can still miss him. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Would you pray with me? Right where you're seated this morning, right where you're watching from this morning, I don't know your spiritual state. I don't know your spiritual journey. I don't know your life story, but the Lord does. Would you tell him you don't wanna miss Jesus? Would you? Just in your own way. 
Father, you have us for these few short minutes that we have together. Speak to us, teach us, and show us. Father, I don't want a people to leave this campus or leave this connection online and miss what we're talking about. God, we want to meet you. Father, take care of us and speak to our hearts. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. As Jeffrey said, all the kids are gonna be coming up here in a few minutes. How many of you are praying you don't end up on YouTube because of your child? All right, raise your Oh yeah, you're like, if you do, we like the money, all right? And so we love the money. So what was it that caused these guys to miss Jesus? We got three, three little slots, ready? Number one, expectation. This is really interesting, expectation. We say this a lot when we're preparing a couple for marriage. One of the greatest struggles that cause conflict in homes is unmet expectations. We thought they were gonna be this, they ended up being that. We thought they were gonna do this, and they ended up doing that. We thought they were gonna be this, and they ended up being that. We thought they were gonna always say this, and they ended up saying that. It's unmet expectations. We think it's gonna be this, and the person or the thing doesn't meet what we thought. Jesus didn't meet the expectations of those religious leaders. It's really interesting. You think they knew he would be born in Bethlehem, but in their brain, if a king is gonna come, he needs to come to a palace. And so all of a sudden now, things are off. Second part of that is, the people of the day wanted an earthly king. They didn't want a heavenly king. They wanted an earthly king. They wanted someone to take over then. They were under Roman oppression. They were under Roman rule. They were bowing to a group of people they considered pagans that weren't as good, they weren't as smart, they weren't as bright spiritually. So why in the world would we do that? Expectations. We want you to be this, and Jesus came as that. We think a Savior should look like this, but yet this Messiah is coming looking like that, and he won't take over. Look, look, all through the Gospels and all through the New Testament, John 6, 15, when Jesus saw they were already ready to force him to be their king. He slipped away into the hills by himself. As soon as Jesus' earthly ministry began, anybody who liked the miracles he was doing, they were ready to put him on the throne because they weren't thinking about eternity. Everybody look at me. They were thinking about right then. They weren't thinking about you 2,000 years later who needs to meet a Messiah. They wanted a Messiah to meet their need right then. So they're trying to put him on the throne so Jesus slips away. Well, surely after the resurrection, they got it. Look at what Acts said. So Luke recorded, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, this is fascinating, the apostles, the smartest, brightest ones who are following Jesus, who are taking the great commission now into the world. Look at what it said. They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our what? Now, is, is it now? Or, or are you taking over now? Jesus, I know there's a heavenly kingdom to come, but please tell us you're gonna do it now. 
So you had it during his life. You had it post his resurrection. Look at this conversation of misplaced expectations in Luke 17. Asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he replied to them, the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or visible displayed. Nor will people say, look, here it is. See, it's there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It's in your hearts and among you, surrounding you. So what a well-intentioned religious people. How do they miss today? I miss the Christ of Christmas if I think Jesus should give me what I want instead of what I need. See, our expectations are a little different. Our expectation is everything in life will be easy and perfect and he'll be a genie in a bottle and I'll rub the bottle and it will answer every one of my prayers. I am committed to Jesus, everybody get this, as long as he's committed to me, which means everything in life turns out good. How many of you, when you pray, you don't have to raise your hand, but you pray that all of life will be good, easy, simple, and everything will be right. You ever pray that way? How many of you go, Lord, I want you to make my life tough. I want you to make my life hard. And I want you to send it to me and toughen me up. Anybody pray like that? I would love to meet you and ask you why. All right, and so, because we don't. We don't pray that way. But yet, we place this expectation. God, give me what I want, not what I need. Help me now. Don't just help me later. Help me now. Help me in this world right now. Give me the, the simple pill that I can take to make everything be soft, easy, and good. I'm, I'm glad you got my eternity taken care of, but I really need for Monday to go well. You know what I'm talking about? Expectations. People still miss the Christ of Christmas because life's not turning out like they thought it would. The prayer that they prayed didn't get answered like they thought it would. Well, I thought God was loving. I thought God was good. I thought God was perfect. And Mike, I prayed for this and I didn't get it. Good prayers, healing prayers, expectations. They missed him because of expectations. But not only do they miss him because of expectations, they missed him because of externals. Would you write that down? Externals. Meaning this, they thought spiritually your job was to make everything look good on the outside. You dressed right, you act right, you check all the boxes, you check all the lists, you perform, you behave, you do all the right things, all externally. If externally you think I'm good, then I'm good. If I know enough, I can say enough, I can speak enough, I know scripture. Listen, the religious leaders of that day, and really every Jewish child, memorized the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. <clears throat> they memorized those. They memorized them. 
I had a hard time remembering the names of the books, all right? And they memorized them. They knew all the stuff. Externally, you would look at them, and, and here was the word. You can write this word down, pious. They were just pious, right? They had everything right. They had the right garb. They had the right stuff. They had the right etiquette. They, the religious leaders of the other day, you didn't, you didn't bump into them in town. They ran together because they were clean and they would have considered you as Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, they would consider you unclean. And they frustrated the stew out of Jesus because they missed it. Look, look, Matthew 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full, filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Listen, listen to this, and here's the crux of it. Outwardly, you look like what kind of people? Here, here's what he said. Outwardly, everybody thinks you're, oh, man, if I could be them one day. Look, look at them. They got it all together. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Can I tell you something? Nothing's changed. It is so easy in the world that we live in to look the part. And we're good at it. And we're good at acting the part. Most of you did it walking in the door this morning. You were fighting like cats and dogs on the way to church and you got out. How are you doing? Bless the Lord, we had a great trip in. I was just praying and, and the Lord just anointed our travel this morning. You were ready to kill each other in the car. You know what I'm talking about. But it's external, right? It's that external peace. We want to make sure everybody thinks we have it together and we are on point. And we are doing right. I will miss the Christ of Christmas if I want Jesus to bless me without first addressing the condition of my heart. I'm going to miss the Christ of Christmas if I don't get him to address the condition of my heart. And can I tell you guys something? We all have the same heart condition. Our hearts are contaminated, they're impure, and they're a mess. And here's the crazy part. Nobody knows the condition of your heart but you and the Lord. You can make everybody else in the world think you got it together. But in here, you know, Jeremiah says, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know them? These Pharisees thought, 
we've got it together. We've checked all the boxes. We follow all the rules. We live by the code. We live a certain way. Everything in our life externally is right. And Jesus is looking at them going, why in the world would you clean the outside of the cup and not clean the inside? Your heart. But the number three, third little blank there, is ego. Ego. There's expectations. There's external. And then there's ego. The great business author, Ken Blanchard, he determined and, and defined ego as this. Ego is when we edge God out. We believe so much in ourselves, there's no room for him. It's a great story. Luke records to some who were confident of their own righteousness, and I love, I love how Luke says it there, and they looked down on everybody else. Like they were so good, they just looked down their pious nose at you like you didn't have anything together. He's talking about the religious leaders. All right, time out real quick. All right, I don't know everybody here, so let's set a level playing field because we're sort of jumping in and out. Jesus never busted the chops of sinners. In fact, you find it, he loved them too much to let them stay like they were. The woman caught in the act of adultery, not in adultery, like in the act of adultery. They pulled her out of the house. They bring her to Stoner, right? And Jesus said, let him who was without sin, you be the one to first, you be the first one to cast the stone. And the Bible says something really interesting. It says from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their rocks and they left. Interesting. Then he looked at the lady and he said, go and sin no more. This lady was, was she breaking the law? Oh, yeah. Was she breaking the Mosaic law? Oh, yeah. Was she breaking the, ten, ten, the law of the Ten Commandments? 100%. But he met her at her point of need. The only time you see Jesus really losing it is with people who act like they know more than they know. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know anybody like this? Like, they're, they are righteous to the point that they know they're righteous. Do y'all know anybody like this? This is, it stinks, all right? And so it smells, and it, it just isn't a good taste. Jesus had big problems with that. Here's why. Because they pointed people away from him, not towards him. Their ego was too big. So Jesus tells a great story. This is a great story. We'll, we'll wrap on this one. Jesus told this parable. Parable's a story that he knows that they will identify with. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and one a tax collector. All right, time out real quick. If you are a listener of the day, whose prayers would you assume God would hear? A Pharisee or a tax collector? Which one? You would assume he would hear the Pharisees, right? They know the words to use in the prayers. All right, listen. Listen. 
I know these things because I am the designated prayer for every event in my family, all right? They assume because I'm in ministry, it's like Michael pray over the meal. Well, you can. No, we want, want Michael to pray. Like, I'm going to use a word they don't know. And so the Pharisees were designated prayers, right? They were the ones that knew all the glorious words, and they would stand there, and they would come up with things. You're like, that is the greatest prayer I've ever heard in my life. So you hear this story, you're like, well, I know where he's going with it. No, you don't. Two men went up to the temple. Pharisee, tax collector. Tax collector, bad, bad people, bad people. Scum of society, ripping people off, and they're rich. So not only are they ripping you off, they're living off your wealth. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed. This is fantastic. God, I thank you. This is so good. God, I thank you I'm not like other who. Isn't that just wonderful? Aren't these just glorious people? Do you ever have a roommate like this? God, I'm just thinking you, I'm not like all these other people. Look, look at it, and he qualifies them. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. He names him. I fast twice a week, and I give tenth of all I get. I'm checking all the boxes. God, you're going to hear my prayer. Get this. You're going to hear my prayer because I'm not like all these other people and I check all the boxes. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me because I'm a what? I know my standing before you and I don't deserve for you to hear me. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. I will miss the Christ of Christmas if I fail to see my need for Jesus. See, our ego looks different now. We don't dress in religious garb. And but we think our title will do it. We think our income level will do it. We think the neighborhood we live in will do it. We think our car will do it. We think our office will do it. We think the ability of our children to perform will do it. Well, I, I can perform my way into heaven. You can't. I can do enough good things, Mike. I can attend church enough. I come to North Star, I go to small group. I want you to hear my heart. We will do anything for our children to meet the Lord. But are we willing to do what we need to do to meet the Lord? And that's to come open-handed and go, God, I can't do this without you.
ego, edging God out. God, I'll I'll call you when I need you. But I, I, I got this thing. These religious leaders didn't make the trip to Bethlehem, Nazareth at that point. They missed it. They'll sit at a church where you've got the opportunity to find your way home and let anything keeping you, keep you from finding the Jesus that Christmas is all about. Would you pray with me? You may be sitting there this morning going, Mike, that's me. I hold the Bible. I don't even know what to do with it. I hear about it, but it's not personal. My wife knows Jesus. My husband knows Jesus. My children know Jesus. My parents know Jesus. Mike, I don't. Somehow I've missed him. Today, I don't want to miss him anymore. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? It's the, it's the ultimate prayer of humility. And it goes like this. Jesus, I need you. I can't do this without you. Would you step out of heaven? Step in my heart. Be my personal Lord and Savior today. Welcome home. The best lies on the other side. Father, thank you for the hope of Jesus. Thank you for the story of Jesus. And thank you for those like us that found their way to you. It's in his name that we pray.